welcome to the next episode of Teaming Up. In this episode, Sean Ryan and Josh Dare are dispelling national media relations myths. If you're not already, hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can also watch the video version of this interview on the Hodges Partnerships YouTube channel. Now enjoy the episode. Welcome, everybody, to our latest episode of Teaming Up. I'm Josh Jerem here with Sean Ryan, our Vice President of Media Relations. Our topic today, you probably know already, is national media relations. And in Sean, we have an excellent person to share his expertise. As, as our Vice President of Media Relations, Sean has been responsible for some of our great national hits over the last few years. So, Sean, welcome. Thank uh, you, Josh. Good to be chatting with you. I was thinking that... Um, if you and I were in a car for a five-hour drive, we could talk about this nonstop. And so I think one of our challenges today will be uh, kind of being concise and uh, finishing within our kind of 15 to 20-minute time frame. So in that respect, do you know that show Pardon the Interruption with uh, Mike Wilbon and uh, Tony Kornheiser? So they've got the little timer thing going for each topic. So I've got my little stopwatch here from my phone. And what I thought I would do is every time I bring up a topic, I will time us. And I'm going to try to limit each of the subjects to two minutes. Uh, that way we can just kind of boom, boom, boom through these different topics. Because I have, in preparation for this, put together five myths related to media relations. And so in our allotted time, I'm going to ask you to dispel the five myths of media relations. How's that sound? Fantastic. That's a great surprise with the timer. I'm ready to roll. Are you, do you want to be Tony Kornheiser or do you want to be uh, Will Bond? I think we can just trade off. Okay. Let's roll. Right, here it. we go. So I'm hitting start on number one. And myth number one is you earn a national media hit simply by putting together a media release and sending it out to as a far and wide of a perspective uh, uh, target list as you can. So that's the myth. What, what would you say to that? So kind of the old spray and pray approach. Mm. Uh, I mean, while it, it can help, I mean, there are still folks who like to go as wide as they possibly can. Uh, we've always found that it's better to try to focus on who you really want to pitch and what is uh, the approach that you want to take, cater it directly to the outlet, try to be realistic about whether it might be a fit or not, and then really do the research and find the right person to pitch to. Uh, as much as you can localize something and or specialize something and put it directly to someone's beat or what they might be writing about, we think, we think that's a better approach. And when you say do the research, talk about what you mean by that. When you do the research about the, the target outlet, the target reporter. Well, most firms like ours have some sort of resource, have some sort of database that they're using. So the databases are a great place to start. Uh, but sometimes it takes more than that. The databases aren't always up to date. So researching and trying to find uh, if that reporter is still doing what uh, the databases say, uh, checking out their social profiles, trying to determine what kind of things that they've been writing about. Uh, I know everybody's pressed for time, but instead of sending you know, a release to... 30 people within the newsroom and hoping that it's going to hit with someone trying to find an editor or maybe a reporter who would be a better fit. 
I think there's that excited moment when you think you might have the right person and then you go onto the that outlet's website and you start searching that reporter's um, that reporter's articles and you find, oh, this is exactly the person that I need. I'm looking at this is the things that they cover. This is the things that they like to write about. And so this target feels right. And then you can reference perhaps some of those some of that reporting in the past as part of your pitch to that reporter. Yeah, potentially. And also sometimes you, you say, uh, I know you've covered this in the past, have something that we think you might be interested in, uh, and they might redirect you if they're no longer doing that. Uh, lots of folks, especially the daily papers, are doing a lot more these days. They might be on three or four different beats with the way that newsrooms are shrinking. I think our time's up. I'm at 233, yeah, so myth, Josh. Myth number two. Yeah, myth number two is that your story, to get a national media hit, your story has to have national impact. Uh, that, that's a good question. Uh, I think all too often you think that we have something that is interesting and it's a great local story, but there are opportunities to look to national outlets and try to spread that. It may play uh, play a part in a larger picture. It might be a way to something's going on in the community, but it also might be going on in other communities around the country. And uh, we might be an example of that. Maybe the client or the story can't be uh, the full story, but it might be something that would be a, a part of a bigger story. And maybe it's more anecdotal as opposed to being the starring role, if you will. Right. No, I think that's, that, I mean, in my experience, I think that's exactly right. So, so there's a national trend happening or there's a trend happening that you recognize and your client has uh, some kind of ownership in a piece of that, uh, kind of on a local. There's a larger problem. This is our little solution to that larger problem. And um, sometimes that, you know, that resonates with folks. I can remember early out in our, um, in our company history, we had a tiny little um, nonprofit down in Danville, Virginia. And... Um, Doing at some uh, you know nonprofit healthcare work, and you know we did some research, and there was a reporter at the Wall Street Journal who uh, we sent the pitch to, and just happened just happened to be writing the bigger story about kind of nonprofit health little healthcare, and it was a perfect fit. And the clients thought we were geniuses, but really it's just a matter of kind of making your own luck and um, and finding that right target. Yeah, and one thing I'd add to that, you know, surveys or just localized information, uh, it provides a snapshot sometimes for the national reporters that here's what's going on in Richmond, Virginia, compared to here's what's going on in uh, Oakland, California, or someplace like that. So I think it's it's an opportunity to take what you have. And then when you do have that local hit, uh, sometimes using that local hit may be a good entry point to a national reporter. If it's been covered locally, then there has been some sort of vetting that's gone on and uh, there's some sort of story there that might lend itself to, to wider consideration for a more national look. Ding, ding, ding. Okay. Now, myth number three really relates a little bit to myth number one, and that is that the way you go about a national media pitch is by typing up a news release and sending it out. So uh, before we focused on kind of the spray and pray, now I think the focus of this myth really is more on um, the actual tool that you use? Is it, is it a news release, I guess, is what I'm asking? It can be, but it doesn't have to be. Uh, one of the things we've had a lot of success with over the years is uh, what we like to call news jacking and others call news jacking, that 
Um, you can just throw something out, and I know we'll probably talk a little bit more about that uh, in just a couple minutes, but having an opinion, having a thought, it can be just a few bullet points. It doesn't have to be a full-fledged release. Uh, we often would try to pitch quotes. If we know something was going on, you'd go ahead and pitch a quote and see if that might elicit a reporter to either use that quote without even talking to you or picking up the phone and saying, hey, that, that's interesting. I'd like to talk to your source. So uh, releases can help. Uh, I think it seems like these days they are part of it, but uh, I think maybe when I started this 20 years ago, maybe they felt like they were a little bit more important, that you needed to have a release. Uh, but I think it's just uh, today it seems like it's more an extra part of it. You know, the so, opinion is probably what matters. So if I'm a national reporter, I'm just Kelly. I'm going to do uh, something that I, it's not fair to do since I've never been a reporter and you have. Uh, but if I'm getting a, a, a news release that everybody else is getting and, you know, as a national reporter, I really want to find that story that I can own. Uh, it feels like it's, you know, it feels like it's just something going to everybody. And I'd feel less of a sense of, of individuality of less of, I feel less special, I guess is what I'm saying about getting a news release as opposed to getting that tailored pitch. Yeah, the tailored pitch, I think, with the opinions are going to help. And, and again, the, the release can be helpful to a reporter for background information or numbers or stats or anything like that. And sometimes we'll go ahead and pitch an idea. And even if we have a release, we might have it in our back pocket and say, we've got a release if you're interested. But if, if you can cater that pitch with that opinion or the quote or the few bullet points directly to the reporter, that seems to work better. That's our two minutes there. Okay, next one. Uh, and you mentioned newsjacking, and this really kind of relates to newsjacking, and that is your pitch that you're going out for, the story pitch, really has to be just all about you, right? Um, and I, I know we have, some, we have some feelings about that. So uh, what would you say about, about that myth? Well, in, in newsjacking, I was going to elaborate a little bit more. So you know something's going to happen in the news, or uh, if you're prepared, you know, for example, the Fed's going to make an announcement, or you know that uh, the jobs report is coming out every month, trying to line up your experts and trying to have some thoughts uh, ready to roll. Uh, and it doesn't have to be all about you. It's more reacting to that and trying to be an asset to the reporter. Uh, if you build a little bit of a relationship and you can start sending some uh, well-thought-out ideas, then the reporter might be looking for some things in the moment. We know they're going to do a story on that. So if we can insert some of our thoughts and insert some of our opinions, it may lead to a quote. And even though that's not a full story or a full feature about the company or a full feature about the person, uh, that it helps build awareness for that person as building some uh, credibility as an expert. So talk a little bit about kind of the logistics of newsjacking. So let's say you are a, you know, you're a job board. You're, you help uh, folks uh, land jobs. We had a client like that. And Labor Day is coming up, and there's going to be all these stories about employment and things like that. What are the actual kind of steps you take for some newsjacking? Well, after you've researched folks who we think are going to write about it, it might be something that they're going to, we know they've written about it because you've seen the stories in past years. It's trying to get those thoughts out. Uh, if there's something specific, like a jobs report, you're trying to get some thoughts out uh, based on what we think is going to happen or react to whatever happened that news. The latest jobs report 
everybody thought it was going to be a really poor jobs report, and it turned out to be a good jobs report. So the opinions would have to change a little bit. But then reaching out to the reporters, if you can, in advance and say, we have some ideas, we have an expert, and we have some thoughts. Understand that it is a crowded field out there, but you try to break through. And that's where the the thoughts come in. Um, We tell some folks sometimes it's okay to have a general thought that everyone else might say, but it's also it's also helpful to have something that goes against the grain. And you mentioned some research. I mean, if you've, if you've done kind of your own, if you've commissioned some research and, and even if you've done kind of a survey monkey, although it doesn't have as much credibility, but if it's, if it's a survey monkey of people within a particular area of expertise, um, that kind of specific um, information can help with a pitch. Yeah, it really can. And, and I think if the research is credible, uh, Someone like the AP may, might not take it because it doesn't fit all the things that they do, uh, all the things in their checklist that it might, must be. Uh, but if, if it's credible research, it can definitely help. Last myth of the five, and then we can talk about a few other things if you'd like. Um, and that is that you have to have an existing relationship with that national reporter in order to get a hit. So what would you say to that myth? The relationships certainly help. And oftentimes where we have a relationship, we might throw something out to them and say, not certain if this is you, can you help us find the right person? Uh, But it also takes that research. Uh, You might have an idea or you might have a client, you might have a story that doesn't fit uh, with some of the relationships you have and you have to do that research. Uh, But that's where it goes back to the story itself, trying to determine if if you have something that's worthwhile to take to a national reporter. As a former reporter, I used to take pitches from mostly local folks, but also some national firms. And the first thing was like, why, why am I getting this? This doesn't relate to anything that I'm doing. So we're trying to get away from doing that as much as possible. I have a fear of sending a note to, the, to someone and uh, having that reaction. And so I try to really vet who I'm pitching and going there. And sometimes you just don't know the person. So uh, recently, we had a great idea from one of our clients. I, I reached out to the Washington Post and said, hey, I, I think this would be a good fit for you. Can we hop on the phone and have never spoken to that person uh, in my life? And because the story idea was a good one and it also fit to what he had been doing, uh, within 15 minutes, we were on the phone talking about it. And that has ended up leading to several national stories. Yeah, um, uh Let's talk a little bit. Yeah, I think, thank you for that. I mean, those were five myths that I think you've thoroughly dispelled. Um, thoroughly dispelled in two or two and a half minutes. Right. Each one. Each one. Um, we've, been, we've got a few more minutes, though, so I want to chat a little bit about the tools that are at your disposal. So you mentioned kind of the, and you met, it's kind of a reference decision is one tool that we have, which helps us on our research. But there's also... Uh, subscription services where reporters are looking for specific uh, experts and story ideas. Talk a little bit about, you know, the research tools that are available and then those subscription tools and whether you think those are worthwhile. Yeah, Josh, I I mean, Cision, uh, we're also using Muckrack. Uh, We're getting to learn new databases and and determining they, 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 they provide a good foundation for us uh, when we need to research outlets or research reporters in an effort to try to find the right person. Uh, 
Again, you can find some general notes, uh, general emails rather, or general contacts and send widely, but we really do try to drill down and find the right person at the right outlet. Uh, and then you have things like you're referring to, uh, like Harrow or ProfNet, uh, where the queries come into your email inbox every day, and you can determine whether there's an opportunity. Uh, keep in mind that we, we receive those, and I bet you there are hundreds, if not thousands, of other PR firms that also subscribe to these free services. In some cases, there's uh, some fees associated with them, but uh, the key to those, uh, they definitely can help. We've had a lot of success with those services over the years. The key, though, is in most cases, you have to get in early. Uh, if that email is going to thousands of people and PR professionals, and again, the wider the topic, the more sources there are who are out there uh, who can speak to that, that you need to get a note back to the person or back to the service rather quickly that says, hey, I have a source, Josh Dare here at Hodges could be a really good source. Here are a few of his thoughts and then get it out the door. If you wait two or three days, even if it has a deadline of two or three days later, uh, it's really hard unless Josh Dare is like the number one source out there and uh, would be the best person uh, in, in the entire country. So it's hard to stand out if you wait. Yeah, I know. And one of the challenges for an agency like ours is to uh, inject that sense of urgency to the client as well. You know, We've identified, with the help of this service, this opportunity, what, what, are, what would your expertise be? What would some of the comments you'd be if we can get back to that? Because I feel like in newsjacking or in some of those, if you can provide some of that, what that context is, if you, can, if you can tease them out a little bit about what that expertise is, here are two or three or four points that we would make uh, as part of that article in response to your ProfNet inquiry or as part of our newsjacking, I think it's always important just not to just say, hey, we have an expert. We'd love to talk. Right. Okay, we have an expert, but what is the expertise? Give us a little sense of that. Yeah, and, and we've had clients in the past. Uh, we, we've worked with you know, someone in marketing and branding uh, on and off over the years, and one of the great things that we had there is we understood the client and some of the core thoughts that we would have that might be a little bit more universal and, and might be able to apply to a certain industry so that it, whether we had that conversation and prepared all that or not, we could go out with it uh, and get, you know, get the resource out there, get the expert out there, even if we didn't know exactly what that person was going to say. So you're right, having a couple things in your back pocket, that's going to help if you have the time and, and your client uh, or your CEO or your expert uh, can get back to you very quickly and you can develop those. The whole point is uh, you want to add a little bit of context to it. Again, if, if we're so well known that we can say, hey, uh, I can offer you the CEO from Apple. Okay, well, most reporters would say that. Uh, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that call. Uh, but if you're uh, much smaller, like most of our clients, and you're trying to stand out, adding some thoughts and some ideas to whatever you're going to send back is, is certainly going to help. So this, we're down to our last minute or so. I want to kind of keep this at 20 minutes. I can't believe it's flown by. Just a little bit about timing. So you've sent your release, you've sent your pitch out, you've tailored it, you've done your research, you've done everything that to the Sean Ryan playbook. Uh, and, but you're not getting any, you're not hearing back from your, from the reporter. What's your, you know, do you just say, well, and I did my best and obviously not interested or 
kind of what's your philosophy about going back, repitch? Because I know that's one of the big pet peeves of reporters is like, hey, I didn't get back to you because I didn't I didn't like your pitch. I mean, you kind of, you know, it's like dating. If you keep calling and calling and the person doesn't respond, you just say, hey, buddy, it's time to move on. Yeah, I think there's a lot of different approaches here. Some people still just pick up the phone and say, did you get my pitch? Uh, we try not to do that, or at least I try not to do that. Uh, usually I wait a couple days. Um, a, a little tactic and trick I learned from one of my former colleagues here uh, was that uh, in the, that initial pitch kind of saves something so that when you inherently have to follow up, because we swing and miss a lot, if we pitch 40 reporters on something, uh, hearing back from three or four is probably pretty good. Uh, if we hear back from none, which often happens, uh, what are you going to go back to the next time other than saying, hey, checking in to see if you got my pitch or checking back on this, which, again, we have to do sometimes. But if you save something that adds a little bit more context to the story, um, you know, maybe you offered pictures the first time, but the second time you offer uh, some better images or you, you know, have something in reserve that gets them to open it and maybe think twice or, uh, or the, the, they'll look at it for the first time. I mean, it's, it's really hard with what we do because we've heard this locally as well as nationally, just the sheer number of pitches yeah. reporters get, and they're still trying to do their job. So it's hard to stand out. The subject line matters. Uh, being concise and brief and trying to give as much information as you can. Yeah, all that matters, but the follow-up is also important. Uh, because it is very possible that someone read something or didn't read it, but they might find it interesting. I usually wait a couple days, depending on uh, who the client is and what the story and the timing and all that, uh, and then uh, maybe check back in, and uh, maybe I give it three times at, at most. But recently we had a client where we were pitching some things uh, at, at the Washington Post, we ended up pitching about 10 different people, not, not at the same time. We kept going in different directions and pivoting to try to find a different editor who might, uh, who might be interested. And did the same thing at CNN because the story did touch a lot of different places and it could have touched on a lot of different things. So um, the follow-up well, is important, but I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't sit there and follow up the next day and the next day and the next day. At some point, uh, you do have to know that the answer probably is no and that they don't have time for us right now. Well, if reporters were getting a huge number of pitches before, now that you've provided this expertise out to the tens of millions of people who will be watching this podcast, reporters better hold on because there'll be even more, there'll be even more pitches now. So we're out of time, Sean. This has been great. Appreciate your expertise about this. I'm going to put you on the spot real fast because you're one of the more humble, most humble people I know. Favorite successful national media pitch in your career? Does any oh, wow. stand out? Um, I'll say a couple, if you, if I can have a couple. If it had to be one, I, I still think that years ago uh, we had a pitch that we worked with NASA on uh, and we were able to place uh, University of Richmond alum and NASA astronaut Leland Melvin uh, with an interview while in space. I think that's just a unique uh, pitch. Uh, as I like to say, he was a football player, too. So we got it to about the two-yard line, but we needed uh, the PR folks from NASA uh, to get it over the humps, so get it over the goal line. And uh, ESPN had helped with that, and our clients at the University of Richmond had helped with that. It was, it was just fun. It was unique. And then yeah. recently, uh, something that's been going on recently, uh, 
we, we've had a, a lot of success with a great story down at Colonial Williamsburg uh, with uh, First Baptist Church and an excavation project that's been going on there now. And that's just been a, a really rewarding and um, just an, a very uplifting and encouraging story. But to be able to work with uh, Colonial Williamsburg, uh, members of the First Baptist Church community, uh, to land some things. And uh, we all talk about today's show hits or back in the day we'd talk about uh, you know, Oprah or anything else, but uh, that led to a Today Show uh, feature, and, and that was really special. So that also shows your range. You're going from outer space to uh, excavation projects from the you know the 1800s. So yeah, but, uh, but they both started with really good stories and really yeah, really yeah. good hooks, and so uh, some research went into it as well. But yeah, good stories that that's the number one thing. Well, thanks for your time today, and uh, enjoyed this conversation, Sean. Thank you. All right, Josh. Bye-bye.